Welcome to Search the Scriptures. It is wonderful to be back once again on the program. It's always a pleasure, a joy to be able to be with our regular listeners. And many of you we know listen every day or close to it. And many others listen very frequently as you have the opportunity. You just don't have the opportunity to listen every day necessarily. And then there are others who pick us up on a more sporadic basis as you happen across the program and have the opportunity in your schedule, maybe picking us up on the radio, going from place to place, uh, maybe doing your job and you find yourself in the car at a particular time or maybe your truck of service, whatever job you might have, and you happen to catch us from time to time. Then there are always those who are new listeners, and we want you to know that we appreciate every single one of you whether you're a very new listener or whether you've been listening on a regular basis, maybe every day for years, we appreciate you. We're thankful for you. You are an encouragement to us, and we pray that, you, that we are an encouragement to you in the sense that we are teaching you God's Word, helping you come to a better understanding of it, helping you see how it relates to your daily life and how it can help you be directed toward an eternal home with your Father in heaven and your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want to help you get there. We really do. And so we do try to get deeply into God's Word, look at it in detail on a daily basis, help you understand it more fully, more correctly, more accurately, and help you see the meaning that it has for your daily life. The best thing that we can do to help as many people as we can is to help them come closer to God, to help them get to heaven. And that is our prayer for you. That is what we strive to do diligently. And it's not in any kind of high-handed mindset that we come to you each day in the program. Those who have listened for a long time, hopefully, Our humility, our humble attitude and approach comes across. We try to be friendly. We try to present the kind of format that gives you the idea that we're kind of sitting around the kitchen table together with our Bibles open and discussing God's Word together. Friendly atmosphere, calm, comfortable atmosphere, non-threatening. No one should be threatened by studying God's Word. Now, that does not mean that studying God's Word will not move some of us to recognize that we have been mistaken in our understanding previously and need to make some changes. But that should not be threatening to us. That should be encouraging to us as we become stronger in our understanding, more accurate, and recognize what God's Word really holds for us. We want to help you again. We really do pray for you. We want to help you get to heaven. As your faith grows, as we study God's word together, our prayer is that you will come to recognize that those of you who are at that particular point need to repent of your sins, confess your faith in Christ, and be buried with him in baptism for the remission of your sins, and then come forth reborn spiritually, to walk that new life in Christ with a new direction, that's toward heaven, and with a new hope, and that's eternal life 
with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, eternity with them in heaven. Our prayers are with you, and our prayers are for you. We're going to continue our study asking the question, what does Christian only mean? Now, we've pointed out that the word Christian is used only three times in the entire New Testament. It was used first in Acts chapter 11 and verse 26 when the scripture tells us that that followers of Christ, the disciples, were first called Christians at Antioch. Antioch of Syria, by the way. There are two Antiochs mentioned in the New Testament, one of Syria and one of Pisidian. So this was Antioch of, of, of Syria. So the followers of Christ were first called Christians at Antioch. Now, the only other time in the entire book of Acts that the word Christian was used was in Acts chapter 26 and verse 28. It was used by King Agrippa uh, as the Apostle Paul was presenting his defense. He had already been taken prisoner by the Roman garrison, and he was presenting his defense before King Agrippa. And as he came toward a conclusion, at least, Agrippa spoke up and said, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. And then the only other time it is written, it is used in the entire rest of the New Testament is by the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 16. And there Peter is being encouraging to those who are followers of Christ And he says, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. Now, as I pointed out, the term Christian initially may have been used by detractors of the church, enemies of the church. They may have kind of coined the term as an insult to the followers of Christ using it perhaps in ways such as, oh, you're a Christian, huh? Oh, you're one of those Christians. And in an insulting way, an accusing kind of way, a derisive way, term of derision. Now, a case can be made that that was how it was originally used. But whether it was or not, by the time the second century was swinging into being, time-wise, Followers of Christ embraced the term Christian as a descriptive identity of honor, as one that describes who we really are as followers of Christ. We are Christ ones, Christians. Well, unfortunately, most people, when you ask them, now most people who would consider themselves to be Christians, when you ask them what they are religiously, instead of simply saying, oh, I'm a Christian, they will say, I'm a, and then they will name their denomination. I'm this or I'm that. And again, they will name their denomination. Now, if you ask them, oh, are you not a Christian? They would say, oh, oh yes, I'm a Christian. But then they might go on and say, but I'm a, this kind of Christian or that kind of Christian. <laughs> Well, you know, my friends, there's only one kind of Christian listed in the scriptures, a Christian, a true follower of Christ. 
Now, we should take pride as followers of Christ in calling ourselves simply by the name Christian. So we have asked the question, what does Christian only mean? Now, denominationalism is at the base for people calling themselves by some other name rather than just a Christian. Denominationalism, as we've pointed out a number of times in this program and in this study, means division, and it has succeeded in dividing those who would consider themselves to be Christians into all kinds of varieties of Christians. But we don't find that in the New Testament. We find that Jesus said simply that he came to build his church. Nothing more, nothing less. Not a denomination, not a system of denominationalism, but just his church. And again, we find his followers called Christians. They are his disciples, not the disciple of some man, and many denominations bear the name of some man, or some system of theology. But simply, Jesus came to be the Savior, the Messiah, through whom we can come to God for forgiveness and salvation. Now, what does Christian only mean? Well, we began looking at the first of, I think, three simple concepts or principles that should be behind our understanding of what Christian only means. First, it means accepting Christ on his terms. Jesus said in John, in John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He declares himself there to be the Savior, the only Savior of all mankind. And the Apostle Peter stated in, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, referring to the name of Christ. So the scriptures and Jesus himself are unequivocal. They are without any question or confusion in identifying Jesus Christ as the Savior, the only Savior. And that's regardless of how many people in the world who embrace other religions might reject him or not believe in him as their only Savior. They believe in error. If we believe the scriptures, they believe in error. Jesus is the Savior, the only Savior, and we must come to him on those terms. In conversion, we must accept his call. In Matthew 11 and verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We must believe in him as our Savior, as he stated in John chapter 8 and verse 24. We must accept his teachings as the way of life, the gospel of salvation. John chapter 12 and verse 48. We must repent of our sins as Jesus preached 
repentance for the kingdom of heaven is at hand in Matthew 4 and verse 17. And as the apostles followed through with that very line of teaching in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. We must confess our faith in Christ as our Savior openly, Matthew 10 and verses 32 and 33, and never be ashamed to call ourselves, to recognize that we are Christians if we are truly following him his way, Mark 8 and verse 38. And we must accept his instruction to be baptized for the remission of our sins, Acts 2 and verse 38 and chapter 22 and verse 16, so that we can be saved, Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. We must recognize that it is through baptism that we are taught in Romans 6 and verse 3 and Galatians 3 and verse 27 that we come into Christ. We come into fellowship with him. We must also live an actively faithful life before him as our Lord and Savior. When Paul came to the end of his incredible treatise on the resurrection in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the very last verse of that chapter says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Oh, he's talking about living a life of active dedication and commitment and faithfulness before our Lord. That's part of what being a Christian really is. It's not just saying, I believe in Jesus. It's not just having a moment that we might call conversion and then the next day or a week or so after that we're back into the world and doing our old things again. That's not being converted to Christ, truly, but and certainly not wearing the name as we ought to wear it, Christian. We must live the life, and when, we're, when we first come into Christ, we're just beginning that new life. We have been reborn, as Jesus told Nicodemus has to happen. We have been made a new creation spiritually, as Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. And so we must begin that new life. And that life will be one of faithfulness to Jesus, living by his teachings diligently and consistently. And that is reflected in what Jesus said in Revelation 2 and verse 10. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. So we must live that life in him and with him and for him by his teachings. That's faithfulness. And we're talking about, again, diligent and consistent and dedicated faithfulness. So we must accept Christ in his terms. That is fundamental to what Christian only means. We can't come to him in some other way that feels good to us or that somebody else has told us ought to be good enough. 
we must accept Christ on his terms. Now second, Christian only means standing firm on true doctrine. True doctrine. The scriptures again are unapologetic when it comes to the demand to accept them as the true word of God and live by them in truth and consistency. In 2 John, there's only one short chapter in that second letter of our Apostle John. We read, beginning with verse 8, Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Now he's issuing a warning there, an admonition, be careful, stay true, stay on the path. And then he goes on in the very next verse and says, whoever transgresses and does not abide in or live in the doctrine of Christ, the teachings of Christ, does not have God. Does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ or lives in the teachings of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Now that is a very definite and a very direct instruction from the inspired writer, the Apostle John, that we must stay in the true doctrine of Christ, the true teachings of Jesus. It is no wonder that the Apostle Paul, when he was writing the Romans letter, said in chapter 1 and verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, the gospel of Christ, that is the only message of salvation for mankind. Now I know that a whole lot of people out there, they may have some kind of tentative belief in God and they want some other way to be saved. They don't want to be tied down or, in their mind, restricted by the teachings of Scripture. And so they look for some other way. They kind of try to make it up as they go along. Uh, Whatever makes them feel good in their present walk of life, their way that they're living right now. They don't want to have to give up too much. They don't want to have to feel too restricted in their dedication to God. Well, that doesn't work. To be a Christian, we must come to Christ on his terms, and we must stand firm on the true doctrine of Christ or the true teachings of Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatian congregations in Galatians chapter 1, beginning with verse 6, there were some false teachers who had come in. And they were teaching them a changed gospel. And Paul corrects them very quickly and says, there is no such thing as a changed gospel. There is only one true gospel, Paul says. 
In verse 6, he says, I marvel, I'm amazed that you were turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert or twist the gospel of Christ. Change it, in other words. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed, condemned in other words. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. So Paul addresses what's going on there in Galatia, and he says there are some false teachers who have come in, and they're teaching you a different gospel. But quickly, Paul says, which is not another. In other words, there is no other gospel. There is no variation of the gospel of Christ. There is no other form of the gospel of Christ or category of gospels. There is only one gospel, and we must come to God his way. And we must come to him through the gospel of Christ. Remember again what Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, singular, is the power of salvation to everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So it is the gospel for all of mankind. There's no other one out there. There's no variation of it. There's no shade of it that's okay. It is the true gospel of Christ. And Paul said there in Galatians 1 verses 6 through 9 that even if an angel came from heaven and preached a different gospel, he says that angel is to stand accursed. Now, he was offering a hypothetical uh, possibility, not really suggesting, I don't think, that anything like that would really happen, that an angel from heaven would come with a different gospel. But he said, even if that were to happen, you don't listen to him. You don't follow him. Let him be accursed. And then he brought it down more to real life when he said, if anyone teaches a different gospel than you have received. Let him be accursed. So any person who would bring something that would vary from the true gospel of Christ presented in the scriptures, Paul says, let him be accursed. We're going to stop here in park. We'll come back and continue our study talking about what it means to be a Christian only. We do hope that you're being stimulated to think deeply. We do encourage you to write down the information we're going to give you in just a moment and then contact us and ask for the free Bible study. And it will, right from the scriptures, God's word, teach you what it is to be a Christian. We hope to hear from you right away.